All right. Hi, everybody. Stefan Molyneux from Free Domain. I hope you're doing well. Just uh, did a premiere of the new Sunset of the Golden State episode. It's a fairly short, tidy, soliloquy-based update on my thinking regarding religion and a little bit of my history with Christianity as a child, where I was, as I said, in the choir, and I went to church many times a week, and things that I miss, things that I fear, things that I hope for, and I think I'm not alone in this as an atheist who has seen what's happening with the absence of religion and Christianity in the West, um, how we're, you know, kind of falling apart. So I hope that you will check out the uh, episode, the full series, which is well worth looking at, is fdrurl.com forward slash CA, fdrurl.com forward slash CA. I will put the link to the show notes here, and you should check out the series. Uh, in it, I go up to the city council and demand to know how they're going to pay for things, and I interview politicians and people on the street, and I uh, had a pretty wild time striving to wrap my head around how the glory of California, the golden state from my youth, has fallen into a kind of sewage state at the moment. Uh, so uh, I hope that you will check it out. It's really not about California. It's about the West as a whole. But uh, that's fdrurl.com forward slash CA. And uh, episode eight, uh, you can just go to that playlist and it's at the bottom. And sorry, it took a little while to get there, but I kind of got swept up in other things. And we have one more episode to go to finish it off. One of the greatest <laughs> analogies that I have ever Put to camera, uh, I did for this last section. Uh, uh, it's about the Golden Gate Bridge and uh, everything that it means. So I hope that you will uh, check it out. I hope that you were doing all right in these challenging times of decay and quarantine and uh, all of that. You know, it's a wild thing having... Uh, having um, spent 35 years warning people about communism, it's kind of a wild thing. I mean, I hate I hate coronavirus as much as everyone else, but it is fascinating to see the impact that communism is going to have on a country before communism actually takes over a country. And so that is a powerful thing to see, and that is pretty wild for people. So... So here's the thing. Let's get straight into questions. I um, would like to hear what you have to say. You can give me questions here on YouTube or other places. You can, if you are a subscriber, through subscribestar.com forward slash free domain. You can uh, send me questions there as well. And by the by, how are my wife and daughter? Very well. Thank you. It's, um, it's a great pleasure. It's a great pleasure to be spending time with them. You know, if you're going to have to be bunched up with people, uh, it's really, really good if you <laughs> love them and get along well with them and all of that. So uh, it is, uh, they're doing very well, and uh, I, I appreciate that. Are we all screwed? No. No. I, and I tweeted about this today, man. You, uh, you know, everyone's like, can we get back to normal? I'm like, God, no. No. <laughs> No, 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 no. None of this getting back to normal stuff at all. None of that stuff at all. We don't want to be getting back to normal. What was normal? Well, normal was 
demographic suicide. Normal was debt suicide. Normal was creeping socialism. We really, really don't want to get back to normal, my friends. I can guarantee you that. So um, this kind of white swan disruption event, is it white swan or black swan? I can never remember that. I would have checked with the guy, but he he and I got into a fracas, uh, Taleb, and uh, he he blocked me. And so... um, I'm going to just go to these questions and have your thoughts about forgiveness shifted since you recorded the documentary. Now, this is kind of, this is from uh, somebody on, um, oh, it's from James, on uh, Discord. And listen, I I hope that you will join the Discord server because that's where we just did a call-in show this morning. I had a really, really great conversation with a woman who's uh, about to divorce her husband. And is there any way to... Um, to avoid that, to to keep the family together and everybody prunes the leaves, I go straight for the roots, baby, <laughs> straight for the roots. My thoughts about forgiveness, and this is a repeat of a question that someone has sent me before. These two are linked together. What is the best approach to explain to your children that their grandparents aren't going to be around due to the fact that they're toxic or dangerous people to be around? Um, what tips do you have for parents going through similar situations? Well, okay, so the conversation, I think, goes something like this, and I'm not going to make it specific to my own situation because I want to sort of make it about about others, right? But, you know, you you can say to your child when your child is is old enough, I don't know when that is, you know, maybe seven, maybe eight, depends on their maturity, depends on your relationship, uh, which I hope is great as you listen to this show, your peaceful parent and all that. But... The conversation is so, you know, a lot of kids have like a grandma and a a granddad and they may have them on both sides. Like, so you get four, right? Four for one, right? And you can do that little chart. Mommy has a um, father and a mother just as you do. Daddy has a father and a mother just as you do. And a lot of people have those elderly people, like really old people or older people in their lives. And now you don't. And you don't as a result of the choice that I've made to not have my mother in my life. And this is not a decision that I just flipped a coin. You know, it took many years and a lot of thought. And I worked really, really hard to sort this out. But, you know, as as I, as I raise you, right, I mean, one of the things that I, I need to do is I need to prepare you for adulthood as best I can. And I'm going to give you some suggestions as you get older, right? So right now, you're playing with friends, and it's mostly like, you know, running around and, you know, like, I don't know, playing video games and, and all of that, climbing trees. But, but as you get older, you may notice, or maybe you've noticed now, and you hopefully have had these conversations with your kids, that there are some kids who are just, just kind of mean, right? They push, they spread rumors, they, they hit, they, they steal, they, they just manipulative. They're just, you know, maybe that's a bit of a big word, but, you know, they're just not nice. And I'm hoping, at least my question to you would be, is it worth being friends to mean kids? I mean, really mean kids, kids who make you scared, kids who bully you, kids who are spread bad stories about you, kids who try and turn other kids against you, like they're rare, but they're there. (laughs) They're rare, but they're there. It's like the story of evil, right? Now, you want to keep this in conversation, because listen, when, you, when you're when talking to kids, if you don't 
get a back and forth going, like they'll glaze out after like 20 seconds. They're just their attention span is just not there. Their focus is not there. They get very easily distracted by their own thoughts. So you want to ask them questions as you go through. So I'm not going to throw all of that in because I don't want to role play me plus a kid. You say, well, listen, if you and if you do become friends with a kid who turns out to be a bully, what 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 advice would you think I would give you? What advice do you think I would give you? Right? That's a fair question, right? Now, you know, hopefully the kid would say, well, you know, A, try and work it out, like have a conversation, and B, if you, and I say, okay, so you sit down, you have a conversation, that's, that's a good idea. Like if it's someone you care about, and let's just say they, they kind of become bullying, then you sit down, you have a conversation with them, right? Now, if they won't admit that they're bullies, if they won't admit that they've done anything wrong, if they, you know, let's say they, they I don't know, they purposefully slammed the door in your face and then refused to apologize, like something like that, like whatever it's going to be, right? If they simply refuse to admit that they've done anything wrong and they won't change, then what should you do, right? And I think the kids will kind of, your kids will kind of understand that, right? Because you're not, I don't know how to put it, you're not, you're not doing anything that they wouldn't do in your situation, right? That's kind of the idea behind um, this kind of stuff. So, you know, then then you'd say, well, listen, I, I would not suggest that you stay close friends to someone who's a real bully. I would not suggest that at all. I, in fact, I think that would be a bad idea. And do you think it would be a good idea for me to stay in contact with someone who is mean, who's a, a bully, right? Well, uh, I think the answer is uh, no, you should not stay in contact with people who are mean, who are, who are bullies, right? I mean, give them every chance, right? Give them a couple of chances, give them a bunch of chances, however many it takes. But at some point, you kind of got to make a decision, right? Kind of got to make a decision. And I'm, you know, I'm very sad about this. I'm very sorry about this. It would be great to have grandparents in your life. But, you know, it's it's not really up to me, if that makes any sense. Because if I want you to not be bullied, I have to not be bullied, right? Like, wouldn't it make kind of weird if like like i mean i don't want you to smoke but wouldn't it be kind of weird if i'm like hey kid you shouldn't smoke <laughs> right i mean if i want you to exercise i should exercise if i want you to be reasonable i should be reasonable if i want you to talk rather than hit i should talk rather than hit right in the same way that i don't point at a tree and say that's a really giant broccoli and get you all confused right i got to get consistency in what i do so if i don't want you to be bullied then i have to model or i have to show you not being bullied right that's a reasonable thing to do. And so I have really sort of made that choice. I am uh, not going to be bullied in my life. And it's different. It's a little different with friends, right? Because with friends, you kind of go into the relationship because you choose to some degree, right? Maybe they sit next to you at school or whatever, but you still kind of make a choice to become friends. But with parents, you you don't, right? Like, you don't, you don't, you didn't pick me out of a lineup, right? <laughs> it wasn't like, uh, you know, when you go to, uh, you go to the fair and you win a prize, you get to choose one of these big giant stuffed animals. And then you say, oh, which one did you choose last? Just keep them engaged, right? And you didn't get that with me. Like you didn't win a prize before you were born and choose me out of all the other parents. Now I'm trying to parent in a way that, and this is how you should parent, by the way, you should parent that with the goal that if your children could choose anyone on earth to be their parents that they would choose you and your wife you and your husband right that's how it has because that's how you keep quality right because that was kind of the case with um 
uh, that was kind of the case with you and your wife, you and your husband. I mean, you got to choose each other, right? So you didn't get to choose me, and I'm aware of that, right? You're kind of stuck here, right? I mean, it's, you, you, it's not like you can go move out, right, because you're nine or <laughs> ten or whatever, however, right, eight. So you can't go anywhere, so i got to be extra careful and extra nice and all of that. I mean, I'm nice either way, but you have to... Um, I have to parent like you could choose me even though you didn't, right? Because, you know, mom, if she doesn't like me tomorrow, not that she ever would because, you know, we're really in love, but, you know, she could just get up and say, yeah, that's it, I'm going to Disneyland for a week or whatever, and I can't stop her. She's an adult, right? But you kind of stuck here, right? And it was the same thing when I was a kid. Like, I was kind of stuck with my mom and my dad, and they weren't like me. They were like, ah, you're stuck here, so we can be super mean, and, and all of that. And I wouldn't get into the details of your sort of whatever happened to you as a child. Of course, can, if it's anything of a sexual abuse nature, that's not for them to know uh, at any time before adulthood. But um, that's the conversation I think that you have. And they will be curious and they'll say, I want to meet them. And um, they may say, I want to meet them, right? In which case, it's like, I completely understand that. I mean, you're curious. You want to know. And it's part of your history and it's part of your family in a biological way, like, but not in a social way, right? So I completely understand that. Um, and and when you get older, you can make that choice, right? So anyway, so that would be my my approach. All right. So what else have we got? for questions. I hope that that helps. Um, let's see here. Based on how quickly complacency returned after 9-11, do you think the brief wholesomeness experienced locally due to lockdown will fade just as quickly? No, because 9-11 was a burst event, right? 9-11 was an event that happened and it ended. This is not a, a, a thing that is, the coronavirus is not a thing that's happening and is going to end. Right? It's going to come in waves, right? There's a small wave, there's a big wave, then there's a small wave. Again, there's the triple-decker sandwich from hell. So it is going to go on for a long time. I would plan, I mean, I'll tell you this, I am not planning, just myself, right? I am not planning to go out into the world much for the rest of the year. At least for the rest of 2020, I'm kind of home. Now, I'll go for walks in, in, in the country, uh, I, I will, but I am, I am not going out into society because they're going to lift all of this stuff. It's unsustainable, right? So they're going to lift all of this stuff, and what's going to happen? Well, everyone's going to go out, and everybody's going to make each other sick again, and then it's all going to go back to where it started, but with more people who then have some kind of immunity, right? So that is, uh, that's, I'm just telling you my plans, that I am not planning to uh, to do much out in the world for the next uh, what is it nine months <laughs> April May June seven <laughs> nine months yeah so uh, that's uh, it's not it's not going to return I mean people will of course they'll get complacent and then they will remember or realize or understand that um, this thing is sticking around and it's going to mutate and Lord knows right. All right. Um, I had a very unsettling day the other day when I was thinking about my purpose. I love my life now, but I'm not sure what the ultimate goal is. Any suggestions on how to figure out what my purpose is? What your purpose is? So this is like the question, what is the meaning of life, 
which you only ask if you're not happy, right? So if you aim at virtue, act in a morally courageous way, stand up to bad guys, support the good guys, then you will achieve happiness. It, it'll be a rough passage, you'll be scared at times and so on, but you will achieve happiness. And like I've been doing this for 15 years, and there have been times where it's been very, very tough, not going to lie. There have been times where I've gotten out of bed and not wanted to have anything to do with philosophy whatsoever. I have been repulsed by it. I've been revolted by it. The cost has seemed too high. There's no question, no doubt. So how do I keep bouncing back? Well, I have the self-respect of moral courage. And moral courage is one of these things like, this is Aristotelian, right? So Aristotelian is avoid excesses, right? So in Aristotle's view, the, the golden mean or the Aristotelian mean, you don't run away from the battle if you can win. You don't run into the battle if you're going to lose, but you find some balance. Like a deficiency of courage is cowardice, an excess of courage is foolhardiness, right? You just run in and get cut down, right? So you have to balance your risks. You have to be intelligent about what risks you take and when and how, and you have to recognize that where you start versus where you end in any given day or month or year, your goal is to shift the Overton window, to shift the goal of acceptable discourse to the point where you can start introducing new ideas, and people will become acclimatized to them in the same way that you know, if the temperature drops 40 d degrees uh, in in three minutes, you're going to really, really notice it. But from summer to winter, it's not too bad on a day-to-day -day basis, right? So you have to move the Overton window. You have to move the boundaries of acceptable discourse slowly and carefully, recognizing that there's lots of landmines and volatility and tripwires and aggression and violence and death threats and all of that involved in moving that Overton window. So when you have moral courage, you will gain happiness, that's the price. I mean, we know this, right? I mean, just look at the story of, of heaven, right? I mean, to, to get into heaven, which is happiness, you have to have moral courage. You have to follow the teachings of Jesus. You have to uphold the Ten Commandments. You have to fight evil or at least oppose it. And uh, you have to um, enhance virtue. And then you get into heaven. Well, that's, that's true in a philosophical sense, right? So once you are morally courageous in a sensible manner, then you gain happiness, self-respect, contentment. Now, once you gain that, once you gain happiness, you don't have to worry about meaning or purpose. You understand? Like if you're happy. Nobody in the midst of a great orgasm says, yes, but what's the meaning of all of this? What they say is, <laughs> right? So once you're happy, you don't have to worry about meaning or purpose or anything like that. So just focus on the moral courage and that will give you the happiness and that will have you overleap the problem of meaning and purpose. All right. Uh, let's see here. What are your views on the mandatory social distancing laws? I have found people locally to be supportive of one another, but that the kids think it's a scam. Yeah, well, the kids have been lied to so brutally. I mean, the kids have been lied to so brutally um, that there's so much cynicism among the kids, right? Like, I posted this on Twitter, right? Like, uh, all of the... Mm, let me, let me try and find the Aristotelian mean regarding rage because all of the scientists and the scientific groups, scientific organizations that have hoovered up, deep-throated up hundreds of billions of dollars to try and move the needle 
of the world's temperature by a tenth of a degree in 100 years, who have terrified children with doomsday prediction after doomsday prediction, and stolen through lies and fraud hundreds of billions of dollars. Boy, you want to see thieves? You want to see real thieves in the world? You look at those white-coated assholes who frighten children for a living. That's like the it clown writ large. You're all going to die. You're going to be underwater. See this polar bear? We're going to garrote that mother. Eek! Right in front of you, kid, because... Why? Because you used a hairdryer. You killed a penguin, kid. Don't worry. We'll make you feel better if you just give us all of your allowance and lunch money and your good night's sleep and your future and your sense of optimism and purpose and happiness and capacity to achieve anything in this world. Too bad. You liked all that stuff? No. It's ours, man. We own you. Oh, do you like this dolphin? You like this dolphin? Dolphin's going to die, kid. Why? Because daddy has an SUV, that's why. And you left your Xbox on last night. So, sorry, the dolphin gets it. Like these whales, too bad. Too bad, you don't get any. Oh, how about these lovely Siberian huskies? Nope! Dead, right? They are literally just going through, in the child's mind, they're going through his stuffed toys with a chainsaw and sprays of ketchup while they mime screamings as their teddy bears get beheaded. They're a bunch of shakedown, psycho, monstrous sociopaths. And they scare children for money. And the money has been pretty freaking good for scaring children. And so after you hear, and I grew up with these doomsday predictions, these fucking assholes, I grew up with these doomsday predictions. When I was a kid in the 1970s, worldwide hunger... Starvation by 1980. I literally thought I only had a couple of years to live. And then it switched to, oh, peak oil, man. We're going to run out of oil. The cities are going to grind down. There's going to be no electricity. Boom. Death, kid. (laughs) Death. And, I mean, you can run through. I've run through this a million times. I won't even. Everybody's got all of these scares, right? And, you know, we're all still standing and everything's fine. And the price of oil is going down. And there's tons left. And, you know, as far as all of that goes, we're fine. But these psycho it clowns in lab coats have been professionally and parasitically and vampirically terrifying children and the weak-minded. Oh, I mean, God, it goes back to Malthus, right? So Malthus, the Malthusian doctrine. So Malthus was a, um, a thinker. I guess it was early, what was it, early, I don't know, late 18th century, mid-18th century, something like that. And he said, oh, here's the problem, you see. Here's the problem. Humanity will always face imminent starvation, always, because human birth rates go up exponentially, but food production only goes up in a linear fashion, so there'll always be a crossover and people will always starve to death. And this produced a lot of social paroxysms and fears and and hatred of the poor and fear of the poor and and cruelty and all of that, because you got to keep the human population down. Well, Malthus was just another intergalactic asshole who got everything wrong. Terrified people out of their freaking gourds and had immensely cruel public policy enacted in his name. And it's been going on and on. It's all a doomsday cult. End of the world is coming. Give me your money. End of the world is coming. Give me your money. So kids these days, like I've lived through a bunch of these things. And look, I, I hate these people. Like I hate these people with a burning biblical, like I never just watched my own documentary episode eight, Passion. 
I, re I really do, because they strip childhood, and they strip innocence, and they strip joy, and they strip purpose, and they strip the capacity to hap for happiness from children for money. It's demonic. It's satanic. It really is fundamentally satanic. Well, it's even worse. And at least Satan will take your soul but give you some cool stuff. In the meantime, like, you, you, okay, you lose your soul, but you can be Taylor Swift. <laughs> so, you know, there's some of that. But no, I, uh, I really, really hate these people. And uh, are any of these people, like these scientists, scientists are the, they're supposed to be guarding the walls. Supposed to be guarding the walls, standing up there, looking down the tunnel of time for any threats coming our way and using their magic science wands to protect us from the incoming dragons of danger, right? And what have they been doing? What have they been talking about? Climate change. Global warming. 50 fucking years. These jerkwads have been droning on and on about that, right? Funny story. <laughs> Funny story. Spoiler! It's not climate change. It's communism. It's communism. But you see... The scaremonger, it clown scientists work on communist principles. The communism creates imaginary enemies and strips you of your life and freedom to fight the imaginary enemies that turn out to be themselves. So scientists are like, hey, man, the big problem is not, is, is, is not communism. The big problem, you see, is, is markets and pollution and, and all of that. And uh, turns out that uh, science created this problem, <laughs> right? Science created this problem. So, I'm not a big fan of these people, as you may sort of understand. They're, I mean, are they apologizing? Are they saying, hey, man, we took hundreds of billions of dollars from you to protect you against problems, uh, and, and we told you all those problems had to do with climate change, uh, but, but, you know, it, they didn't. Sorry. Well, no, they're not apologizing. They're not saying, wow, why did we ever take all this money that could have been used to buy some basic freaking masks and wasted it on bullshit computer models that predict the path of a pest dispenser down the lower rectum of some fantasy beast in another dimension. Well, none of that. Thanks for the money. Fuck you very much. We're keeping it. So now we've all got to survive all this crap, and we don't have the money to because the it clown assholes in white lab coats stole our money and our childhoods and our happiness and our purpose. And, uh... I love science, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I love science. But I hate this government program called Fear-mongering assholes get rich off the future of children. Whew. All right. So, uh, let's go back in here. Should Canada nationalize their banking system? Well, I mean, I guess originally it was. No, everything should be privatized. The production of money should all be privatized. It's going to happen either way. It's going to happen either way. Uh, let's see. Why is it that the people most responsible for starting wars, the political elites, are exempt from the consequences of the war? Well, you don't want power to be subject to the rules inflicted on other people. I mean, that's not what you want power for. You want power to inflict, quote, universal values on other people called don't steal, and then you want to be able to steal, right? Because you want other people not to steal, so they're very productive, and then you want to be able to steal from them, so... Um, but you see, now now the elites are worried about this, right? Now the elites are worried about coronavirus, right? Because they can catch it, right? I mean, look at uh, Boris Johnson just got hospitalized for coronavirus. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. Open borders asshole gets dinged 
by a virus from another country. I'm sorry, like, I don't want it to happen, but it's karma. It's karma, man. There's a white swan, Taleb called it white swan. Um, so, yeah, now, now, they're, now they're stuck, right? 35 years I've been warning people about the dangers of communism, and here it is. Here it is. All right, uh, let's see here. Uh, your thoughts on our epistemological crisis? Gonna have to zoom in on that. What are your thoughts on 5G? I've read some stuff on 5G. I've consulted with a couple of friends of, of mine that I know who are, I think are knowledgeable on this, but I don't have any any particular conclusions. So I gotta tell you, I mean, it seems to me that 4G is pretty fast. <laughs> like, I mean, what do you need? Like uh, 8K on your smartphone? Good Lord, right? So I... I don't know. It just seems like a kind of a useless upgrade. But anyway, I mean, it's just weird, right? All right. Um, will USA go on gold? I, I don't think the gold standard's coming back just because it's relatively inefficient compared to something like Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies. So how do you feel about forced vaccinations? I don't like them, of course, right? I mean, to not be vaccinated is not the initiation of the use of force. So the way that vaccinations should work is... In a free society, the vaccinations would work this way. So first of all, the companies that make and administer those vaccinations should be subject to lawsuits. Do you know in America they're really not? They're kind of exempt from this kind of market feedback, so to speak. So that makes me immediately suspicious. Immediately suspicious, right? The other thing, of course, is that if you didn't have this wild, multicultural people pouring in from all parts of the planet and living in, in Western countries, you wouldn't need as many vaccinations because you wouldn't have as many illnesses uh, coming in, right? So that's another thing. So forced vaccinations, no, it's, it's freedom of association. So let's say you run a school and you believe in vaccinations. Then you will require vaccinations or certain kinds of vaccinations for kids attending your school. And then the parents who also believe in vaccinations will do that as well. And other schools, they say, we don't care about vaccinations. We're just in hand washing and we're, you know, whatever, right? And so those, kid, those kids and those parents will send their kids. And, you know, maybe one set of kids will get sick more. One set of kids will get sick next. And they'll just less. And there'll just be this A-B experimentation going on in society all the time. That's what you want. That's what you want. But the idea that you get a gun to your head and get shit injected into your veins, I mean, that's, that's, that's Nazi, man. That is Mengele shit right there. Right there. Quarantine reveals how boring and annoying people are. <laughs> well, you know, and being popular on Twitter. Uh, that's uh, <laughs> also going to reveal quite uh, a little bit. Yeah, most people are boring and annoying. I mean, it's just, just a reality um, because they don't think for themselves. They barely exist as independent human beings. They're, you know, what are called NPCs. They're just programmed by culture. They're programmed by the media, and they just react emotionally. They don't think for themselves. It's not it's not our birthright as humanity. It's not the typical human being any more than a man under communism represents a man under a state of freedom. But yeah, most people are boring, and most people are unfathomably dense. And the problem is, like... I know I'm not an opera singer. You know, I like to sing, but I'm no opera singer. I'm not even a pop singer. I'm like an okay amateur singer. That's it, right? So I, I don't elbow people off the stage at the Met and say, I'm taking on <laughs> all of Mozart's Requiem by myself. Du mir uns so. Like, I'm not going to be doing any of that. 
particularly the tenor stuff, right? So I know my limitations. I know my limit. I'm not going out for any hair commercials. <laughs> I know my limitations, right? I'm not selling ab machines, right? So I know my limitations. But the problems with dumb people, dumb people or average people, they're just certain about everything. They know the answers. They call them the period people. Like, it's this and this and this, period. It's like, no, there's no period in most things. There's no period in most things. Uh, there is uh, a lot of questions, a lot of complexity, a lot of balancing, and so on. So people are just like, well, let's go. We just got to go back to work. We just got to go back to work, period. It's like, uh, have you thought this through? No, we just got to go back to work because it's bad when the economy is stopped. Yeah, hard no kidding. It's bad when the economy is stopped. I get it. I get it. It's bad when the economy is stopped. Genius. Good for you, right? How many lives? How many lives are you willing to accept ending because you want the economy to restart? That's an adult and mature and intelligent question. What's the balance, right? And now the balance should be negotiated in a free society, but you know, given that we're in a status society, that's the reality, right? We've got to start the economy. Okay. If it costs 10 million lives, is that worth it? Is it a million lives? It's like immigration, right? I mean, are you willing to have hundreds of thousands of little British girls raped by your Pakistani Muslim immigrants? Because diversity is a strength, right? You say, well, but immigrants are good for the economy. Okay. So let's say, it's not really true, but let's say that immigrants add X number of dollars to the economy. And let's say that only works out to each British girl gets raped and it adds $500 to the economy, right? Because you got this mass immigration and all that, right? Okay. Is it worth it for a child to get raped for $500? I would pretty much say, hell no. Like hell to the no to the infinity, right? There's no amount of money that makes that worthwhile, right? I don't care what the financial incentives are, right? And I did this math a little while ago. I don't know if I have it handy. I probably don't. But I did this math a little while ago. And uh, if you were to spend an hour with each victim of these rape gangs in, in England, these little girls, these little boys, white, white girls, white boys, Sikh girls, Sikh boys, and some others, of course, right? But if you were to spend an hour with each one of those girls, it would take you hundreds of years to go from start to end. Hundreds of years to go from start to end. So most people, I mean, it's not even two-dimensional thinking. Most people, it's like a dot. There's just a point, right? Coronavirus is a hoax. Some hospitals are empty. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Coronavirus isn't hitting everywhere all the time exactly the same. I get it. It's a big country. It's a lot of demographic diversity. Uh, there are different strains of the virus. L.A. doesn't use much public transportation. Uh, and New York does. I get it, right? I get it. <laughs> people in the country are better off than the people in the city for transmission. So it is a complexity. It's a complexity. And all of these idiots are just like, Trump should have acted earlier. Right? Well, Trump is going through impeachment. And Trump, of course, in just trying to get the Obama-listed bans on countries where there's no vetting for any kind of terrorism, that took how long? Months? And there's that one complete D-bag judge in Hawaii who keeps blocking everything. And it's like, you think he could have just snapped his fingers and closed the borders in the middle of an impeachment? Come on. I mean, you, politics is the art of the possible. I just We should have just done this. It's like, oh, come on. I mean, it, it's just boring, right? So yeah, most people are boring and annoying. And they're not boring and annoying innately. It's just when they try to do things that they're not good at. Most people trying to philosophize is like me trying to do ballet or hit a high C or 
seeing the entire Yes catalog in falsetto in a toilet, right? It's just not, it's not my wheelhouse, so to speak, right? And most people just, if you're dumb, like I haven't given medical advice, I haven't given policy suggestions, like there are things I, I, I don't know about. Oh, well, how about this? I heard this is really good for, for coronavirus. Oh, well, I'm not a doctor, so I don't know. Could be, could be not. I don't know. I know the government shouldn't be dealing with all these decisions, but I don't know. Think, see me giving out medical advice? Of course not, because I'm not an idiot. You see, all these people, they become these instant experts. Instant experts. Hey, I saw a bunch of videos of empty hospitals. It's all a hoax. It's like, oh, God. Stupid. <laughs> stupid. Just stupid people who feel compelled to put their literal two cents worth of thoughts in. Actually, it's worse than two cents because they're clogging up the avenues of productive conversation. Just stupid. Or the people are like, well, I know a bunch of scientists who said coronavirus couldn't have come from a lab. Bullshit. They don't know. <laughs> and scientists are mostly sociopathic it clowns preying upon the lifeblood and happiness of children for money. So you'll pardon me if I step a fucking side and don't give two shits about what they say. Oh, and all these scientists have been compromised by Chinese money. Oh, yeah, they're going to be totally objective. It's just stupid. I mean, yeah, people are stupid. And uh, you got to push back on this. You just got, you got to hit people hard, rhetorically, right? This is what I do on Twitter. People come in and say stupid stuff. I will point out that they're too saying stupid stuff, right? So, you know, like one guy, actually, ah, it doesn't matter. I won't look it up. I, I can paraphrase it. So one guy was saying, you know, I'm a big fan, Steph, but lately I've been seeing a lot of poorly thought out tweets from you. It's like, okay, well, you want to make a case for that? You want to, it's not an argument to say these tweets are poorly thought out. What does that mean? I don't know what that means. Which tweets? What, where's my reasoning deficient? Where's my evidence deficient? Where's my contradictions? Where's my lack of support? Where's my valid but not sound or sound but not valid? Where, where, where's all of this? I said, not an argument. He said, no, I wasn't trying to make an argument. I was just making an observation. That's such a cowardly, dickwad move. Of course you're not making an observation. Of course you're, not, you're, you're making a, a claim, a, an objective truth claim that my tweets are irrational. Or, you know, poorly, what's it, poorly thought out or something like that. Like, what does that mean? So there's a standard called rationality. I'm falling short of that standard. He's making an objective claim. You make an objective claim. It's incumbent upon you to prove that claim. But then people just retreat. And it was just an observation. Bullshit. An observation is, uh, I don't know, uh, I don't like the short videos. That's fine. Yeah, that's a subjective. That's an observation, right? Observation is, uh, you sit too close to the camera. <laughs> observation is you have freckles <laughs> yes that is an observation and that's true but if you're going to make a truth claim about the lack of quality of my arguments you need to kind of make that you need to show that right because you're publicly accusing me of thinking badly so help a brother out right help me out help me out of my error if i'm making an error like you don't just sit in a car if you know someone is driving in the wrong direction and you're late for something you don't just sit there and say well i'm not going to say anything about it right why would I say anything about it? I'm just going to keep quiet, right? You, you would correct that person and say, no, no, you took a wrong turn here. You need to go here. You need to do that or whatever, right? That's what you would do. So it's just, it's just malevolent concern trolling. You know, this is poorly thought out. Right? Okay, okay, well, show me how. Oh, it's just an observation. No, it's not an observation. It's just, I don't know. It's just lazy. So you've got to hit people hard and push them away from the stuff that they're bad at. You know, you've got to be the Simon Cowell looking at people auditioning 
to have a smidge's worth of relevance on the planet. Nope. <laughs> All right. Like the Christmas truth, have you thought of a way to bring humanity to this world? Well, let me tell you. Let me tell you my morning. I woke up this morning, 8 o'clock, and I lay in bed. And I thought, nope, I'm solving this shit. Like I did with ethics, with the university preferable behavior. It's like, I'm, gonna, I'm solving this. I'm solving this issue. What, what the hell is going on? Why are we so dear in the headlights? Why, why do all we have is paralysis? Now, I could tell you the answer to what I came up with. I had to lie in bed for like an hour and a half. I had like half an hour's worth of bed sores before I got out because I finally got it. Or worked it out as I was going, right? And then I wrote it all down this morning. So I, I do have the answer as to why we're so dear in the headlights with this stuff. And, uh, but I'll do it separate. I don't want to sort of bury it in, in the live stream. But uh, so that's my, that's my morning. Yeah. I just sit there and like, no, I'm not getting up. I'm hungry. Got to pee. Not getting up. Guess I got to solve this problem. So, Steph, how do I stop being low IQ? Uh, well, um, 10 to 20%, maybe a little more of IQ is environmental. So work on your environment. And it's, it's more important to be wise than smart in terms of happiness, right? So high IQ isn't going to help you. A lot of high IQ gives you the capacity to lie to yourself with great convincing sweeps of rhetoric. So, all right. So, yeah, work on philosophy and all of that, and, you know, don't worry about it, right? Um, so, Steph, how come we can't restructure Social Security and the debt towards the private sector and away from government debt, which would default? Because there, there are no assets in Social Security. Like, there's no money. There's no money in the Social Security Fund. Like, nothing. In fact, it's negative. There's a bunch of dusty IOUs from the Treasury Department, right? So there's no money in Social Security, and there is no... Um, There's no stomach in the population to hear the truth. And, and that's largely because of media hysteria and so on, right? But where's the politician who's going to stand up and say to the boomers, sorry, there's no money? Well, you taxed us for it. It's like, yeah, but the money was, was stolen. It was spent. You guys wanted a whole bunch of social programs. You wanted to go to war in Iraq and Afghanistan, and you haven't demanded that those wars be stopped. You want uh, mass immigration. You didn't want a border because you're all hysterical about that stuff, a lot of you, right? And so you wanted a whole bunch of stuff and you weren't willing to pay the government to do it. And so the government stole from your social security fund to fund all of the things that you wanted the government to do that it didn't have the money to do, right? And so because you underpaid for all that you wanted, there's no money there. Now, who should, who should pay for that? Well, um, the rich aren't nearly numerous or rich enough to pay for it. Should the next generation pay for it? Should the millennials pay for it? Well, no, because they didn't make these particular decisions and there's still time for them to save for their retirement because you told everyone that the government responds to the will of the people. And if the government responds to the will of the people, then the government was doing what you wanted, which was to give you vastly more in benefits than you ever paid in taxes. And it's true. Like the, the boomers got like a dollar sixty plus in benefits for every dollar they paid. So they ripped off the next generation, in general, right? Lots of exceptions, but in general. Okay, so what happens when you create a giant fiscal hole because of your greedy voting and inability or unwillingness to accept basic fucking math, right? What happens? Who, who's responsible for that? 
Well, the answer is pretty obvious. It's the generation who voted for that is responsible for it. In other words, they don't get to keep stealing from the next generation until they die. And then you say, oh, well, that's really, really tough. You know, that's tough for them. Yeah, well, it is. Of course it's tough for them. And that's, you know, actions have consequences. If you vote for massive amounts of largesse from the government and you don't want to pay the bills necessary for that, then you create a massive fiscal hole. And who's responsible for that? You say, oh, but you can't blame an entire generation, blah, 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 blah. It's like, okay, let's say that's true. Well, you sure as hell can't tax an entire generation either, right? Because you can't judge an entire generation, therefore you can't tax an entire generation, so you can't tax the young. Boomers are the richest generation that ever lived on this planet. They are the richest generation that ever lived on this planet. They've got artificially inflated real estate prices. They've got savings. They were there for the big boom times and all of that, particularly in the 90s. I was there, I know. Uh, it was part of taking a company public in those times. It's a lot of money sloshing around that kind of stuff for the boomers, not so much for people like me, but for the boomers, there was a lot of money floating around for that kind of stuff. And yeah, so there's some poor boomers and all of that, in which case, you know, there's charity and all that. But no, there's no money, right? There's no money. And who is willing to stand up and say to the boomers, sorry, you fucked up. Sorry, there's a test called retirement, and you didn't study for it. And so you're now you're going to fail the test called retirement. Say, oh, yes, but, you know, they need all these things. Need well, should have thought of that when you were voting for the last 50 years or so, right? But anytime, I mean, I remember this because, I mean, you guys were probably younger, right? But I remember Ross Perot. Ross Perot was this businessman uh, who tried to bring some sense of fiscal reality to American politics. I mean, he had his kid's wedding threatened, I think, like that, dropped out of the race. He wasn't getting anywhere, really, because they didn't want to hear, right? They didn't want to hear, the boomers didn't want to hear about any fiscal reality whatsoever. It's a delusioned generation. It's a completely deluded generation, allergic to basic reality. Now, some of that is their own greed and their own selfishness, and some of that is the communist programming and socialist programming that they absorbed and, and amplified for the most part throughout their lives. Sorry, it sounds like a reboot, but I'm just trying to make sure I get the next point uh, in a relatively flowing fashion. And what did the boomers do? Well, they wanted open borders, and they refused at all to deal with the dangers of communism. And now communism has released a virus that's crossed open borders and is hitting the boomers hard. What do they call it? It's, co it's coarse and it's harsh, and I don't agree with the terminology. They call it the boomer remover. They call it the boomer doomer. I mean, I don't want any of these consequences, but actions do have consequences. All right. What is the libertarian solution to pandemics like COVID-19? Well, I wouldn't want to fly on an airline that allowed sick people to come into the country. Now, of course, the airlines, if they had said, look, I'm sorry, we're canceling our flights to China. This is something, this is, I, I don't understand airlines fundamentally. I don't, like, I've got people who are saying, hey, I want to come in and talk about airlines. Like, maybe. But here's the thing. You, 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 you idiots. Like, there's a pandemic. Oh, well, I guess it was an epidemic when it was still in China. Like, what the hell are you flying people from China for? Shut down your stupid flights. Like, what are you, what are you retarded? Like, this is like running into a burning building and then complaining that your hair gets singed and you lose an eyebrow. It's like you ran into a burning building, didn't you? The hell are you doing flying to China? When they're going through an unknown epidemic. Oh, no, now... The airlines are in deep financial doo-doo. Well, of course you are. God alive. 
You're flying people back and forth to China. <laughs> hey, man, COVID can't swim. You got to get it over the ocean somehow. Airlines going in, picking people up, zooming them out. Airlines sort of sat down. <laughs> they should have sat down and said, okay, this is, what are we doing here? This is a highly dangerous virus. We've got to shut down our flights to China. No, don't worry about it, man. We're rich already because we've been using all this money to pump up our stock value. There's enough for me to retire. Screw the workers. Enough for me to retire. And you know what? If it gets bad enough, we'll just go crying to the government and they'll give us billions and billions of dollars. So in a, in a libertarian solution, uh, you, you pay people to quarantine, right? And, and insurance companies and airlines and all these people are heavily invested in making sure nothing like this spreads. It's all relying on the government. The government will screw you every time. Every time. Thunderfoot utterly destroyed 5G. Oh, did he? I think that's a guy who bitched about me years ago. Anyway, doesn't really matter. Okay, I don't know. Maybe he did. All right, let's see here. What have we got here? Oh, let's go back to Discord. Discord and rhyme. All right, that is some good singing. <laughs> Thanks, appreciate it. I can do a little bit. What is your take on the Salem witch trials? Uh, still safer than political correctness. I would be interesting to do a a show about that. I've got so many shows on hold, it's ridiculous. So many shows that I started building up presentations to, but I've done almost 30 shows on coronavirus, man. That's uh, all human desires are infinite, right? All right. Jesus, dear Lord. You guys like a little favor in here? You know what? I'll give you a little favor. I'll give you a little favor. It's, it's nice that you guys are watching me rather than all the endless coronavirus updates. Okay, I'll give you a little something here. Give you a little, a little wee summit, summit. All right, this is the, is it? Should be, should be. Is this running? I will get the call-in show. The call-in show. Oh, yeah, I will get the call-in show from today, if I can find it. If I can find it. If I can find it. Let's see here. Oh, maybe I have to go somewhere else to get that. Okay, I'll get that in a bit. But I'll, I'll get the call-in show from today. It's really wild. And the reason I thought of that is that, um, let's see here. Would you have a multi-stream with the guys from ADV China, ADV podcast? Yes, I would be thrilled to. Please set it up. Uh, I would appreciate that. Thank you. Like, I, I, don't have my, I don't have my producer anymore for reasons not really particularly important to go into, but uh, uh, it's a little more challenging to get all this stuff set up without it. So, All right, so what else have we got here? Uh, would you consider creating freedommatch.com? Oh, like a dating service? I don't know if I'd have time for that right now. Um, and I don't even know the legality of that kind of stuff. But uh, you're welcome to come to the um, the Discord server and, and chat with people. So, all right. Uh, thank you for providing so much content and being courageous. Steph, will you do speaking engagements next year? Uh, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe, uh, I think that, <laughs> shouldn't laugh, I think people might be a little bit more open to what it is that I have to say, uh, after I predicted all of this stuff and talked about this being a pandemic back in January, all right? 
Switch from YouTube to Twitch. Quality looks great. Yeah, so you can find me on Twitch. You can find me uh, at Free Domain. You can find me on DLive.tv. Uh, I'm on Periscope. I'm on just a wide variety of uh, alternate platforms. You know, it's kind of funny too. Like I did a live stream the other day and it just vanished right after I was done. And uh, I complained or requested this be looked into by YouTube. But, uh, well, they didn't really uh, really do much. Now I get it. I mean, they've got a lot of automation that's uh, going on right now. But, um, yeah, they didn't really uh, didn't really get around to doing much uh, helpful with that. I had a backup, so I sent it. But I guess we lost the chat, right? As someone who grew up in a household with this issue, what's your take on why people become hoarders? Ah, why do people become hoarders? Oh, yeah, I mean, I can tell you why I think people become hoarders. So people become hoarders because they've been psychotically aggressed against for being unprepared as children, right? So uh, I, I don't know about how you guys experienced childhood. For me, I had this uneasy feeling for a good chunk of my childhood because there was always something that I could be nailed on, right? Like always something like, oh, I couldn't find my braces or, uh, oh, I was the last one to use the flashlight. Now I don't know where the flashlight is, right? And and someone, my mom's going to remember that I was the last one to use the flashlight or it could be any number. Oh, oh I, spilled, uh, I spilled some silver paint when I was making a 124 scale model of a Spitfire uh, airplane and I spilled a little bit of silver paint and I was so terrified that I cut a little section out where the silver paint was because I couldn't clean it. And I cut a little bit out from under the couch from the carpet and, and I put it in so it couldn't be seen. But what if that gets discovered? Like there was always something, always something. And, you know, it takes a little while to shake that kind of unease, like that feeling of like, you know, is, is it going to, is today the day, right? And, and it was because there was a lot of violence in my household and I faced some significant risk of physical injury if this stuff was discovered. So... Hoarders in general, they were probably insanely aggressed against or punished for not being prepared, for not having things on hand or for losing things or not having things available, for borrowing things and not returning them or returning them in a poor estate or, you know, whatever, eating the last cookie, like whatever it is. Just things not being around, they're heavily punished for. And so to try and maintain security, they just keep hold of everything, right? Because... You know what it is with hoarders, right? And I'm not a hoarder, but I I have books. Um, I have books that I've had sitting there that I've meaning to, been meaning to do for this show for like five years, seven years. I came across something that I had saved from 2013 the other day, and I'm like, hmm, what are the odds that I'm actually – I could literally had a book by my bed on global warming that I've been meaning to do something on for at least a year. So – I'm not really a hoarder. I'm just, it's tough. Like, I really want to do these shows. Am I going to get around to them? I don't know. I mean, I, I chatted with you guys now, so I don't know, right? But if you're a hoarder, what it means is you you believe that you're going to need it or someone else is going to need it, right? So let's say you got some magazine and there's some article in there that you want to read at some point. It's interesting on the outside, right? I remember a friend of mine, his mom, had a whole bookshelf of Reader's Digest condensed books and other books. And I was looking over that and I'm like, I want to read all of these, every single one of these, right? And I would borrow them from time to time. But you're like, I've got this magazine. It's got an article in it. I really, really want to read it. I'll just put it to one side. And then you get another magazine. Oh, I don't have time to read this now, but yeah, I'm going to read it soon. I really want to read this, right? Now, if you're going to throw it out, it means that you're accepting that you're not going to read it. And what if you then need it later? Well, for most of us, like let's say I throw out some book, 
And I'm like, I don't know, six months from now, I'm like, oh, I need that fact from that book, right? Okay, you survive, you move on, right? You can deal with it, right? The alternative is to end up in a, a mountain of mad mayhem, right? But, but if you can't handle the self-criticism of needing something but not having it, then you're just going to hold on to everything. It's, it's a, now, where would this kind of self-criticism come from? Well, it doesn't come from our natural selves. It's not like hunger or thirst, right, which is an innate experience. This kind of hoarding comes from being attacked as a child for not having something on hand and not being prepared. And it also comes from a funny feeling of, of avoidance of mortality, right? Because at some point, look, let's say you've got an entire half room full of magazines wherein there are articles at some point you want to read. Like at some point you're going to have to say, I'm mortal. I'm not going to get around to this, right? So you have to accept that you're going to die in order to declutter your life. Now, I don't have anything around, like I'm still only, I'm only 53 and I'm 54 this year, so I got time, right? I mean, good health and all that, so I got, I got time, right? But at some point, you have to recognize that you can throw this stuff out, and even if you need it, you can handle it. And the reason why hoarding escalates is that every time you conform with a fear, you strengthen the fear, right? So if you're afraid of self-attack, if you throw something out and you need it, then every time you hoard it, you're reinforcing that capacity for self-attack, which is why it tends to escalate and get worse. So if you've got a hoarder, ask about, in my opinion, you would ask about what happened with them as children. And you would say, um, what was it like for you when you were a child and, you know, mom wanted something or dad wanted something and it wasn't there? And and maybe they blamed you for it or whatever. I, to, that's where I would go. It's, maybe it's not the answer for everyone, but that's the first place that I would go. Hank says, my sister-in-law has recently come out with to her husband, my wife's brother, that she has had an affair with her female yoga instructor and wants to get a divorce. They have three children, one of whom is on the autism spectrum, and she has said that they can still co-parent and have a great story, whatever the hell that means. Short of the advice to not divorce that my wife and I have given them, what information can I provide to dissuade them from a monumentally stupid decision? Well, this is the, the power of family separation, right? And I'm not talking about the parents. It's that it's, it's bad for the kids, and the kids will be under no obligation to see them in the future. And does she want to really give up a lifelong relationship potentially with her three children because of some crazed lesbian yoga instructor? I would, I would assume not, right? Because here's, here's the thing, right? So parents act really shitty. Why? Because... They know that society is going to force their kids to see them for the rest of their lives, no matter what. And then, you know, someone like me comes along, and I'm not the only one. Dr. Phil's talked about it. A bunch of other people talked about it. But it's still not common parlance. I come along and say, hey, you know what? If your parents are abusive, if your parents are toxic, if your parents are unrelentingly nasty, you don't have to see them. It's called freedom. It's called free will, baby. It's called moral responsibility. You don't have to see abusive people doesn't matter if they're your parents. In fact, if it's your parents, it's kind of even more important because you didn't choose that relationship, right? Your parents, your parents are the one unchosen relationship in your life. So since you didn't choose them, they should have the highest standards of behavior. I am responsible for the highest standards of behavior to my daughter. The highest standard of behavior. She didn't choose me. Didn't choose me. Whereas what happens is that people just sit there and take children for granted that they're going to be able to guilt and manipulate and bully them so they can treat them like shit, like the same way the DMV treats you like shit because you've got nowhere else to go. They've got a monopoly, right? Same way that the tax departments treat you like shit sometimes because they got the power of the gun, right? 
And so why are parents so mean sometimes, right? So why are so many parents so mean? Why do more children get hit than spouses? Because spouses can leave. Privatizing the family is essential to the freedom of the species. Because if children have no choice all the way through their lives but to go and trudge over and see their abusive parents, what, what reason would the abusive parents have to reform themselves? Right? The free market works everywhere. The free market and voluntarism is quality. It is quality. And there's nothing else that will produce quality other than the free market and voluntary relationships. If you want quality in the family, the family must be voluntary. Now, it can't be voluntary when the kids are little, but it sure as hell can be voluntary when they become adults. Privatizing the family, bringing free market voluntary trade principles to the family is how you improve parenting. You move it from the public sector to the private sector. You move it from coerced to voluntary, from bullying to chosen. That's how you do it. That's how you improve parenting. You know, it's like when there were all of these industries in the Soviet Union, you couldn't improve them except by privatizing them. It's the same thing with the family. So, yeah, just remind them that there are thinkers out there who are going to remind their kids that they don't have to deal with the selfish mom who blew up the entire family because she liked the thigh gap of some yoga instructor. And is it really worth it? Is it really worth it? You know, your kids are going to be around as, let's say that the kids are young. So the kids, and the, let's say the mom is, 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 I don't know, 40 and the kids are in their 8 to 15 or whatever it is, right? Okay. So your kids are going to be around for another 40 years. Can you, still, can you really say the same for the yoga instructor? <laughs> of course not. I mean, and also the yoga instructor is a psycho bitch enough to bust up a family. Like, that's a shitty human being, man. That's a totally shitty human being. That's a garbage human being who's going to bungee in with her yoga pants and bust up a family. <sighs> so you scare the sister-in-law into her common sense. She's going to run off with this yoga instructor. She's going to find out that the yoga instructor is crazier than a bag of Chinese Wuhan bat soup. And then the yoga instructor is going to run off. Something's going to happen. It's going to be some blow up. And her parents are going to be like, nope, nope, thanks, gave it a shot. But you chose the yoga instructor, guess what? Welcome to your life with the yoga instructor and not with me. That's the reality. That's how you do it. Now, if she does decide to run off with the yoga instructor and destroy the lives of her own children, well, they're probably better off without her. That's harsh, but it's probably true. All right. What are your thoughts on trying to conceive during our current state? This is very important to my partner and I, but it's worrisome given the uncertainty of the future economy. Well, don't let communism take you from your children. You will find a way to make it work. You will find a way to make it happen. I mean, look at this. I mean, we, we've, we've shut down the entire economy. People are just like, okay. <laughs> really adaptable. Really adaptable. If you promise people that the end is, is near, they turn to hedonism and nihilism. Did a number on me in my 20s. It makes me so angry. Yes, that is very true, and it's brutal. It's brutal. All right. Uh, if you've ever watched the show, Hoarders, you'll see that most of the people have lost someone they were close to. Yeah, but there's so many people who lose stuff who don't become Hoarders. That's not, that's not the answer. All right. In the Realm of Hungry Ghosts by Dr. Gabor Mate, mate with a gay accent. Yes, you should definitely do that. All right. 
What do we say here? Have you noticed a lot of political commentators or pundits on YouTube always seem to start as gamer channels? I don't watch gamer channels, so I, I, I think Destiny was one of those, right? But yeah, it could be, right? What are your thoughts on autism? I'd really like to do a call-in show about my son and whether I'm adequate to homeschool him, but I'm not sure if that's something you would be interested in discussing. Well, it's not that I wouldn't be interested in discussing it. I just don't have any particular expertise. That's a fairly specific disorder, and you should listen to the experts on that. How do I actually confront my inner mom and inner child? How does, that, how does that look like? Do I write questions in a journal or something like that? Well, I don't know because everyone can do it differently. Um, but what I did was uh, I have a, a, a therapy journal that I kept for years. And, and one of the things that I had was I had incredibly vivid dreams during this time in my life. I still have pretty vivid dreams, but these were something else, man. And what I did was I took the dream characters. I still remember all of their names and all of the nicknames that I gave them. It's so funny, right? But I, I engaged with my dream characters, and I wrote it down as Socratic dialogues about meaning and truth and history and, and all of that. But you don't want to confront your inner mom, right? Your inner mom is there to help you, right? Your inner mom is your, your savior. So if you have a violent mom, you have to internalize what leads to that violence so that you're one step ahead of it, and you prevent yourself from doing the things that are going to get you beaten up, right? If any time violence is inflicted upon you, you can die. I mean, this is just a basic a basic reality, or you can lose an eye, or you can burst a blood vessel, or like even if you're being spanked, right, you turn suddenly and a hand or a ring or a nail goes into your eye. I mean, violence is a really uncorked devil. And so you have to avoid those situations. So I could tell the warning signs with my mom. So I needed to feel uneasy before she got violent. So I had to internalize her moods so that I could navigate through my childhood and get out alive, you're you're in a violent prison and you've got to find the rules pretty quickly or you don't make it, right? So your inner mom is there to keep you alive, right? I mean, she seems like your outer mom, but she's there to keep you alive. She's there to help you. She's there to protect you from the violence out there. So um, it's not a confrontation thing. First, start off by saying thanks, right? Thanks. All right. Uh, that was from Beethoven. I know you want Steph to answer your question, but I think you could benefit from what I have to say too. The way I did it was I'd make myself remember traumatic events in my childhood and I'd insert my current self into that situation to stick up for my inner child. That's great. Ranging from attacking the abuser physically and verbally to giving advice and words of encouragement to my inner child. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good thing to do. The other thing too, of course, is if you're having trouble with self-empathy, think of a child that you know and care about and then imagine seeing what was done to you if you were abused being done to the child that you care about in the present. It is particularly true if you're a parent yourself. You have a son and if you were beaten up, imagine that you go out and you hire a babysitter and the babysitter does to your son what was done to you, how angry you would be. Well, why is your son more important than you? He's not. He should be as angry about what happened to you. So that is... Uh, I think that is very, uh, very important, right? Somebody says, been listening for seven years, about to turn 23, studying to be a philosopher, still depressed and procrastinating. What can I do? Well, figure out the disconnect between theory and practice. The values matter. You've got to put them into practice. Brutally beautiful. Thank you, Free Domain. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Thoughts on learning a number of different complex things at once. I'm learning painting and drawing and studying philosophy and anxious about juggling those subjects. Well, why would you be anxious? I mean, if you find that you're not that effective in studying both, focus on one or the other. I mean, just be flexible and all of that. So, all right, should we do a couple more? How are you guys enjoying the chat? It's delightful for me, of course. And uh, it's lovely to see. Oh, look at that. More people are dropping in. Hi, <laughs> how are you doing? Very nice to 
Very nice to chat with you. Okay, I'll run through a couple more questions. Uh, Nomad Mike says, love you, stay safe. Thank you very much. I love you guys as well. Any thoughts on with Boris Johnson admitting to hospital? I did that before. Um, curious about Steph's thoughts on the origins of the Bible. Okay, I certainly do have some thoughts on the origins of the Bible, but that might take a while. So let's see if there's other things here. I only drink water that I've blessed with, <laughs> with Stefan's voice. There we go. <laughs> That's very funny. That's very funny. Uh, uh, Moksha says, I just got here straight from the latest Golden State video. Absolutely moving, powerful. Tear and thought-provoking. Wonderful work, Steph. And yes, Jesus says forgive, but we don't have to forget. Peace. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And I had an interview with the great Reverend Jesse Lee Peterson recently where he, well, not exactly cornered me because I was there by choice, but uh, all of that, right? Instead of relying on Machiavellian tactics, how can I process or proceed in the workplace through the lens of philosophy? I'm in banking technology and looking to position for a leadership role. Thank you. Well, um, you know, here's where you get exposed to what I think is my rationally amoral side, which is, look, morality is not something that you uh, let me I put this in a way that is not going to be misconstrued um, so if you show up to play tennis and the person on the other side of the tennis match field the tennis court is there with a baseball bat do you just play as if they're there with a tennis racket well no you say look we're not we're not playing the same game. Like, I'm, I'm happy to have the rules of tennis, but you got to bring a tennis racket. And I'm not playing with a hard ball because that's going to kill my racket. And I, I've played tennis balls. So if you want to come here with a baseball bat, actually, no, because if that person was Chinese, they'd have eaten the bat. But anyway, if you want to come here with a baseball bat and a hard ball, we can't play the game. It's not, I don't know what it is, not tennis, right? So it's the same thing with ethics. If somebody shows up and they're not, playing by the rules of decent behavior and they're not playing by the rules of reciprocity and empathy and, you know, then play their game. Morality is not a commandment that you owe to the universe like physics. Morality is a relationship and it is a respect that is earned by reciprocal behavior. Be good to the good. Be virtuous to the virtuous. People who aren't virtuous, you don't owe them virtuous behavior. You don't owe them honesty. You don't owe them integrity. You don't owe them respect. You don't owe them any of that. You don't steal from people who don't steal from you. If someone steals from you, you can steal it back. You understand? Morality, this is the most fundamental problem with ethics as it's generally understood, or rather generally inflicted upon the general population. Ethics is a relationship you have with virtuous people. It is not a relationship you have with corrupt and lying and false and brutal and manipulative and amoral or immoral people. You don't have that relationship. Now, of course, the immoral people will say, well, you got to act morally no matter what. Bullshit. Bullshit. You buy an iPad online, 500 bucks, they don't ship you the iPad. Do you pay them? No, but you got to pay for what you, you know, but you didn't get it. They weren't honorable. They didn't send you the iPad, so you don't send them the 500 bucks. You understand? Be good to the good. The exercise of virtue 
is a prize that is won by other people being virtuous to you. So if you're in a business relationship, and I will say this directly from my own experience, and I'm damn proud of it. I have no problem with this whatsoever. Once I was in a business relationship, and I had a corporate credit card, and I had put thousands of dollars of expenses in, and they just weren't paying me. They just weren't paying me. So I went and I took that corporate card and I bought thousands of dollars worth of stuff for myself. They had to pay that bill, right? And I said, you know what? You can deduct all of this from the money that you owe me. <laughs> and they, you know, they tried to get all kinds of surety with me. Well, that's an unauthorized and improper use of the corporate card. It's like, hey, man, I was, I was, I, I, I was going to buy this stuff. I didn't get my expenses back. And so I had to use the card. I mean, Sorry. You just deduct it, right? Now, if people had been paying my expenses as they're supposed to, and I literally, I waited three months or four months for these expenses to be paid. That's a lot of money. If people had been paying my expenses, I never would have dreamed in a million years of putting anything personal on a corporate card. Like, it would never have crossed my mind as anything even, but it's like, sorry, now we're in a state of nature. If you're not paying me, I'm going to put things on the card. You can take it up with Visa. You can deduct it from what you owe me. I'm in a state of nature. I don't owe them moral considerations because they're kind of ripping me off. I had another business situation where a guy had a really bad temper, but only with me in private. Now, he was my boss. Can't fire your boss, right? And what did I do? Well, I tried to reason with him. I tried to talk with him, but didn't really work, right? So then what do I do? Well, I'm in a meeting, and I needle him to the point where he blows up in front of his boss. Then he got fired. I don't have any problem with that at all. So, you know, I don't want to be Machiavellian. Well, why not? Why the hell not? <laughs> why not? Are you, are you above all of that? Are, are you willing to just get cuck-wrapped by society as a whole because you're just too good to play dirty? Hey, man, you go into the boxing ring and you fight as clean as the other guy. If the other guy starts fighting dirty and you stick to your Queensboro rules, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. So now, morality is, is uh, it's a special gift that you give to people who've earned it through their own virtuous behavior, but it's not something that you, <laughs> you tart around like some drunken British girl with her skirts hiked up to there. So... Be as, be as mean as you have to be. I mean, you, the, the, the point is to gain resources for your family and keep that special gift of reciprocal virtue to those who've earned it. But yeah, uh, people... Uh, what's your favorite zombie movie? Hmm, I think Shaun of the Dead was pretty funny, but I, I don't really watch zombie movies. Um, oh, I did watch World War Z, but it's pretty forgettable. How do you know if you might have PTSD? I don't know because that's a technical thing and I can't really uh, judge judge that. Uh, what do you think of Berdyaev, the Russian philosopher? I don't. Steph is like heroin. I'm more of a hero than a heroine. Uh, when his U live YouTube vids aren't running, I go through withdrawal. Well, that's... Uh, remember, there's 3,000... No, almost 5,000 podcasts. All right. Uh, what have we got here? Favorite classic novel or novels? I've got some time to read right now. Ah, yeah, pick up The Fountainhead, go through that. That's an amazing book. My favorite of her books. 
All right. I only drink water that has traveled through the system of our Canadian goddess, Trish Stratus. Okay, now you've got me curious. Egg check on egg check on aisle three. Egg check on aisle three. Trish Stratus. Dare I click on images? Uh, Canadian professional wrestler and model. All right. Uh, yeah, those don't look real. <laughs> Who does, right? Who knows these days? Oh, that is one toothy smile. Yeah, that's pretty girl. All right. Uh, pretty girl. All right. Oh, look at that. Somebody sent me a penny through money button. Oh, please. I, I insist that's too much. <sighs> I'm not going to complain, though, because there's no overhead. All right, uh, a couple more. These are these are fun. You guys are great fun. As someone who agrees with every other word you say, I would love to debate the existence of a supreme being with you. I'm not really doing religion debates at the moment. Um, too much in common with Christians. What is your preferred brand or source of water? I mean, I don't like the stuff from the bottles. I don't really drink that from the bottles, but... Um, I don't really have a preferred brand or source of water. I mean, my source of water is filtered stuff through my fridge, but uh, and and no, uh, no fluoride. All right, ninety-six percent is a fantastic overall survival rate. Why do you feel we have risked the economy? Seems to me a big risk. A plummeting economy would surely cause more damage. I don't know. I see you and I don't have information that the leaders do. I bet you the leaders have a lot more information about the source and origin and purpose of this virus than we do, right? Lord of the Rings or War and Peace? You know, I've never had much love, much luck with him. Tolstoy, never had much luck with him. I think I got through Anna Karenina, but I've never made it through War or Peace. I never, I've just uh, really, uh, that stuff, his stuff really puts me to sleep. How much will the single home prices decline? Well, probably quite a bit. Do you have any good news? Are you kidding me? This, this, there's so much good news in all of this. You know, so when the car's going off the cliff, you roll out. You say, well, I could get bruised and scraped from the rolling out. It's like, yeah, but what's the alternative? The system that was prior to the CCP virus, the system that was, was suicidal. It was absolutely going to crater. It was absolutely going to be a disaster in, in the most horrifying kind of ways. This is a horrible, horrifying, shocking wake-up call to do something different. I, you know, this is like, I don't know what you guys are, who you're listening to, but all right. Is Lord of the Rings good? I haven't seen it. Yes, uh, it is. It is good. Do you think the interest rates will rise soon given the downturn or is it going to be low indefinitely? Well, they can't raise the interest rates when they just hand out over $2 trillion, right? So, I love your work, but when are you going to upload more Doom Eternal? I need more dad frags. I don't upload it, my friend. It's live, baby, live in excess style. So uh, maybe tomorrow. We'll do some tomorrow. All right. Uh, I live in California, and if the government forced COVID-19, COVID I don't want to take it. I think that means a vaccine. Yeah, I don't. Oh, oh, a vaccine. I don't want to take it. I'm a heart patient, two heart attacks. Not sure if I should say no. Risking it forced in jail. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you can move. Uh, I, again, I don't, I don't know. Do you still seek an answer for world peace? Yes. Peaceful parenting is the answer to world peace. Is China, China is buying lots and lots of food manufacturers in Brazil right now. How should a narco-capitalist talk about that subject without looking anti-market? I think it's kind of easy now that China has infected the world. So uh, if you like fantasy, The Chronicles of Th Thomas Covenant, The Unbeliever, is a great series. So there are two 
writers who actually made me weep passionately with their fantasy novels. Um, so uh, Ayn, Ayn Rand has a great scene with, um, the, the I think it's the wet nurse and Hank Reardon in Atlas Shrugged. It always made me kind of weepy. And Thomas Covenant, The Chronicles of Thomas Covenant, is amazing, amazing. S Stephen R. Donaldson, I think his name is. And... Um, it's uh, it's amazing work. I of course haven't read it in in many years, but uh, it's wonderful. It is uh, it is wonderful stuff. Uh, he 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 made me. Uh, when he returns to that woman, he had that unpleasant encounter with when he first goes into the other world. Oh oh, uh, amazing amazing. It really is a, a beautifully written book. But man, does that guy have a thesaurus and a half. I am a bully. Be my friend. <laughs> I will, but just because you're making a good joke. All right. 4% death rate is still very high. Well, um, so, you know, if I give you 100 M&Ms and say only four of them are poisoned, you, you happy to eat them? I don't think so. Uh, let's see. What is the deal with women who are proud of being childless and their obsession with houseplants or strange pets? Well, they've been programmed that way, right? They've been programmed. I, I think of the show Damages with Glenn Close. Um, damages Glenn Close is a really creepy psycho character in that as she is in just about everything she does outside of West Wing but um, it's always like this perfect she's having the glass of wine in this perfect place and it's quiet and they're listening to classical music and it's all it's all empty and boring and, and empty and sorry I just repeat myself empty and boring and endless is what I meant to say so proud of being childless, uh, it's one thing that's particularly true with whites as a whole, that if you can convince a white person that something is virtuous, they will do it despite all misery. It's one of the great strengths and weaknesses of white civilization. And so if you can convince a woman that there are too many people in the world and that not having children is a responsible way to deal with the environment and consumption of nature, scarce resources and so on, then they will do it and they will suck up and suffer the agony and loneliness and all of that because they're doing the right thing, don't you know? And it's great if you want people to say self-quarantine, it's bad if you want them to continue as a race. So, All right. Um, thank you for being a great example. Four rainbows. Well, that's, uh, that's very nice. Broccoli is little trees. Uh, is that right? Making a live YouTube video is bullying. <laughs> okay, okay. I don't know how is producer Mike doing. I don't know. I'm sure you can find him. Uh, just go ask him. Let's see here. What was the name you used for a guy who had a lot of different jobs? Uh, handyman, jack of all trades, master of none? Me? <laughs> I don't know. Apparently, Eric Weinstein is afraid of you, or so he said on Rogan. Yeah, you know, so somebody was saying that I was on Joe Rogan years ago a couple of times, but, uh, you know, he was programmed by women to attack me and, you know, kind of cucked out and all that. So anyway, I don't really think about him uh, at all, of course, anymore. But somebody pinged me a couple, actually, a large number of people pinged me and said, Eric Weinstein, Weinstein, I don't know. Eric Weinstein was on Joe Rogan, and they were talking about you, and Eric Weinstein said he's afraid of me. Why? Well, I'm actually, I mean, really, I'm a really nice guy. This is a big surprise that everyone has. Like, they read my Wikipedia page, and they're like, wow, let me go check out the live stream from Satan, right? <laughs> and it's like, no, I'm actually, I'm a really, I'm a really nice guy. I care a lot about people, and um, I'm a happy guy, and uh, I, I, uh, I love the world, and I want it to be happy, and uh, I'm willing to assume 
I'm willing to take the slings and, outra- and arrows of outrageous discomfort if it means bringing the truth to people that makes them, uh, makes them happy, right? <laughs> it's, it seems kind of important to me. But so why Eric Weinstein would be afraid of me, it just, it just strikes me as a completely ridiculous lack of self-knowledge. I mean, there's nothing to be scared about with regards to me. I'm not armed. Uh, I'm not uh, sinister. I'm not doxing people. I'm not dangerous uh, physically or anything like that. So there must be some ideas that, he ha- that I have that he's uh, scared of. I don't know what it means to be scared of ideas. Uh, well, no, I guess they do. I mean, ideas like communism that want people killed uh, for disagreeing with them. Yeah, that's something to be scared of, but that's not me, right? I've never advocated for the initiation of the use of force in any way, shape, or form. So why would he be scared of me? I don't know. It's just like playing the victim, crying out. I don't know. But uh, so anyway, I did, uh, I haven't watched the Joe Rogan show and I watched the occasional clip. I watched the one on Bernie Sanders. Oh, if only we could figure out what Joe Rogan's wife and Bernie Sanders had in common. <laughs> it's hard to know. Hard to know. Hard to figure out. But um, I did sit down and watch this. And I didn't watch the whole thing because I, I, I don't mean to say because my shows are long, but the shows seem ungodly long to me. And just they're kind of murmury. They're kind of droney a lot of times. I mean, there's I try to throw some variety in them halfway to a cartoon character on online anyway but so somebody said oh the timestamp is like 59 minutes they talk about you and i'm like oh you know what the heck i'm i'm just working away on the call-in show this morning i'm like i throw that on in the background right so it's on my second monitor and i'm sort of glancing over and joe rogan is talking with eric weinstein and it's kind of hypnotic because eric weinstein is like he's really he's a murmur and i hear like eric weinstein's got this theory about how rebellious versus how corporate you are it's like yeah that's what you want to talk about in the midst of a pandemic right and he kind of made fun of of joe rogan a little bit uh, and they were talking about how edgy and rebellious they were and then you know i kind of faded out a little cuz it's like uh, right and then i tune back in again in my brain a minute or so later and they're talking about obscure wrestlers and i'm like what now? <laughs> it just seems so disconnected and weird in the midst of a massive pandemic when society is going through the death throes of an old empire and an old existence to be patting yourself on the back for how rebellious you are and talking about obscure wrestlers. It's just very, very strange to me. And uh, anyway. All right. Let your inner bully out on a bully. <laughs> uh, right. A couple more. How do I get a wife? The way to get a wife is to be a wife. How do you get a wife? I hope this isn't the yoga teacher. Um, how do I get a wife? Uh, well, you change your avatar, you freak of nature. <laughs> Sorry, that's like one creepy avatar. Don't do that. Don't. And change your name. Killers with a Z. Yeah, sorry. Don't, don't do any of that, right? So you just have relentless high standards for what it is you're looking for. And you just don't date anyone who's not going to meet those standards, right? Who's not weird and freaky and who's normal and, and uh, um, wants to have kids and, and wants to be a mom and wants to be a wife, like all that kind of stuff, right? Why do you look so scared, Steph? Just realize people with faith fear not. <laughs> I think you might not be quite hitting the peak of love your enemies there, so... Uh, sometimes you wear glasses and sometimes you don't. Do you need to wear glasses or not? Uh, I guess you're not in your 50s. So um, I started to need to wear glasses probably about 10 years ago or something like that. I don't desperately need them, but yeah, I mean, I can't, yeah, I can read my watch. Uh, So I do, um, yeah, I, I do need to wear 
glasses. I don't need to wear glasses when I'm just like out walking around. I don't need to wear glasses when I'm driving, but when I'm reading, yeah. And so it's a little bit easier, right? I love you, brother. I hope you and your family stay safe. Thank you very much. Weinstein himself mentioned that it was hard to stay on point. Isn't house arrest wonderful? Do you think leaders like Trudeau and Merkel should be charged with treason? Well, you know, when when George Bush Jr. gets charged with war crimes for invading Iraq, uh, get back to me, right? Is he even reading questions from this chat? No. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, what's your opinion of David Icke? I don't know much about him, uh, really, at all. I don't have enough. I know he's considered to be pretty far out there, but uh, so am I. <laughs> so, you know, glass houses, stones, and all that. These chat spammers are painful. Have you stared at your hamster with a bag of ketchup yet? Oh, that's a, <laughs> basically. Weinstein didn't say he didn't like Steph. I don't know. It's just like, what? I'm scared of him. I like him. I don't like him. It's like, can you, can you actually degree? Can you actually deal with the content of anyone's arguments? Or are you just going to gossip? Does he check subscribe star messages? Yes. I'm a little bit behind on that. I apologize for that. Uh, I mean, just, you know, just so you know, like this is sort of my my work day, right? So I got up and I, um, I mean, just so you know, it's a, a day in the life. I heard the news today. Oh, boy. So it's a day in the life, right? So uh, I woke up, had breakfast with my family, and then um, I apologized profusely because I completely forgot about the call-in show today. I lost track of days. Um, and so I did a two-and-a-half-hour call-in show from 1130, right? until two o'clock and then i worked on processing that and then um i did some recreational time with my family uh went for a hike and uh chatted with my daughter uh, quite a bit and then i came back and uh, i set up the um premiere for tonight of season of episode eight of sunset in the golden state and then i wrote a newsletter and i put the newsletter out then i spent a little bit more time with my family and then i uh, had some dinner and then i uh, i'm now from eight o'clock until what is it? it's almost 10 so for the last two hours i've either been doing the premiere or doing this so i mean that's 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 a lot of work and so i do sometimes get behind on emails and i am sorry for that but i'm just one man I've always appreciated what you do, Steph, nowadays more than ever. Thank you. I appreciate that. Can you get James Watson on the show? Well, that's an interesting idea. Can you release a copy of Practical Anarchy without your name on it? <laughs> that is not a bad idea. That is not a bad idea. What's your favorite thought-provoking movie? I mean, it's kind of gay, but Fight Club was, was pretty good, right? Steph, Weinstein actually was liking what you had said and praising you for it. You just have a lot of energy for some people. I think it's fair to say that I probably have just a smidge more energy than Brett Weinstein. So, yeah, so Brett Weinstein and I, I mean, I think the last thing, I haven't thought about him in forever, but I think the last time I had any brush by with him was when he was talking about white supremacy. And, I mean, Brett Weinstein obviously is Jewish, right? So he was talking about white supremacy. And I brought up a prominent Jewish lawmaker who says that Jews are the supreme race, and that's pretty important. And I also brought up a rabbi the most famous and popular rabbi in all of Israel, and Netanyahu was at his funeral. His funeral was attended by 800,000 people. And this rabbi said that the goyim, like the non-Jews, exist only to serve the Jews. And they're kind of like slaves, right? Okay, so that's a prominent lawmaker, and that's the most popular rabbi in Israel, both Jewish supremacists. 
And so it's like, you know, I don't really see that in the white community. There's white supremacism. I don't really see that. There are a couple of nut jobs out in Charlottesville. But I don't really see prominent lawmakers spouting white superiority. I don't see the most famous Christian preachers in all of America saying that non-Christians only exist to serve Christians and, and Christians. Like, so I said, you know, maybe, you know, you could take a swing or two at Jewish supremacy, which is kind of a thing, right? And that was my last sort of flyby with him. And I think there was the same thing with David Pakman, you know, like this, I don't know, like, I'm I'm a big one for, you know, like, get your own house in order kind of thing before you go crabbing at other people. And there really is some issues with Jewish supremacy. And, you know, but, you know, and then there's some people dealing with that. But, you know, a lot of times it's not that. It's like this imaginary white supremacy thing, right? So, Steph, have you ever fasted? I have not. Um, I don't do well when I get hungry. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm like, energy, energy. If I don't have enough food... I'm like, oh, that's it. I got to eat. Like, I got to eat. It's like that. So, please do more shows on anarchism and how it would be applied to common things like police roads, schools, etc. Pick up Everyday Anarchy and um, Practical Anarchy, and uh, those would be things uh, that you can do all of that. But, you know, I I have topics that I'm interested in, and, look, I don't do a lot on anarchy at the moment. I'm still there, right? Still the same beliefs. And, I mean, you think of the early stuff. I don't do much on... I mean, I don't really do much on race and IQ anymore. I don't really do much on R versus K selection. I don't really, I just, I don't do much dream analysis anymore. Like there's stuff that I'm interested in and, you know, I got to keep, I uh, got to keep moving. More audiobooks for truckers. Hmm. Come on. I mean, almost all my books are available for free as audiobooks. So, um, can I challenge you to a game of chess? Interesting. Interesting. Favorite classic. Oh, yeah. If, uh, yeah. Hit me up. Let's, that would be fun, right? Favorite classic novels? Oh, that's a long, that's a long one. Let me let me think about that. How can I begin to have deeper conversations with my eight-year-old son? He's very sharp, and I've always been able to have quite detailed conversations with him. So I'd like to step it up. Well, start talking about the world and drawing the lessons there too. Online match. Yeah. yeah. What is your philosophy on dating older women? Mm, it's usually not a great idea. Women. Um, Am I going to go there? <laughs> you need to research brain size. Uh, and um, older women is less time to have children as a whole, right? What's the argument for love? People make bad decisions and then justify it by saying, I'm in love. Well, you have to get them to define um, what love is. How much of the Wikipedia about you is true? Uh, none of it, including my name, basically. <laughs> I like the fact that your first video was recorded while driving a car. That's actually not true. My first video was called, well, I, there's one that's gone. My very first video was called Understanding Concepts, and it was me in an office with a CD. So, no, that's not uh, not quite true. But I did a lot of those. Uh, I'll be joining in civil unrest if these governments keep locked down for another six months. Well, they're not going to. That's going to be probably within a month or two. Uh, they'll be easing things back, and uh, then what's going to happen is um, people are going to get sick and hide back in their homes again. All right. Uh, is your name not Stefan Basil Molyneux? Yeah, yeah, okay. That <laughs> that part they got right, but they only got that right so that it'd be easy to find so they could find out all the things that weren't true about it. All right. Steph, I've been f- developing romantic feelings for you recently. Advice. Um, 
find, find a substitute. Uh, that's probably a good idea. Oh, yeah, there I am. Oh, that's a long time ago. My goodness. Uh, what to write in an essay about cultural appropriation, uh, how other people use the internet. Um, what is your favorite chess opening? Uh, the pawn on the right forward too. All right. Do you still do call-ins? I've been emailing you. Uh, I will occasionally do call-ins outside uh, of that. Uh, but for the most part, you want to join me on the Sundays. We may be getting another one going during the week. He, Weinstein, said he was scared of the fact you were more accurate on current affairs than the media at large. Well, why would you be scared of the fact that I'm more accurate on current affairs than the media at large, right? I mean, I don't. I don't know why you'd be scared of someone who's right about things. Wouldn't you be happy and grateful about that? Uh, let's see here. Serious question this time. Would you be interested in helping me figure out whether to change careers? I don't know that that's a philosophical question. I don't know that that's a philosophical question. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. How far do you feel the coronavirus fallout will actually go? Stop being passive, man, for God's sakes, or woman. Don't just sit there and say, I wonder how this is going to roll out. Get in there, get in the conversation, and make it go the way you want it to go. If I was just sitting here crossing my fingers, hoping everything was going well, would you just be staring at a blank screen right now, for God's sakes? <laughs> get out there. What do you think is the value in video games? Can they be art? Yes, they can, but they should be a whole lot more philosophical. Man, I've always wanted to write a video game. My God, would that ever be amazing to write a video game? Ah, beautiful. Um... I don't know who John Derbyshire is, although the name is familiar. Good California documentary finale. Thank you, David. It's not done yet. It's not done. Uh, hey, Steph, do you think it's a good time to go back to the gold standard? Yeah, except governments own most of the gold, right? So, Should I start with Hume, Kant, or Nietzsche? I would start with Nietzsche. The aphorism guy is a good one for th provoking thought. Hume is going to dissolve your brain like acid and Kant is very dense uh, is very dense and not a good writer you know I never I'm never really comfortable with people who aren't good communicators because I always feel like they're trying to slip one past me so to speak right uh, Weinstein said I've never really interacted with him he sort of scares me and I don't really want him in my life <laughs> I, I wasn't aware that we were dating <laughs> Jesse Lee Peters would make a great guest. I've had him on a bunch of times. I was just on his show, so I agree with that. Oh, my God. Will you guys stop repeating this? No, I'm not going to debate Kent Hovind. Uh, why don't you talk about your father? I don't have much of a relationship with my father. I never did. He left when I was a baby. Uh, what happened to Mike Cernovich during your live stream? Will you do another show? Yeah, sure we will. Uh, he's having problems with his computer and needs to uh, up, updo it. Uh, uh, updated, I think. You should do Let's Plays of the game Civilization with your commentary. It could be very interesting. Now, here's the problem with those games. This is why I can do Doom, is that Doom is just like, I mean, I'm still having trouble with the alternate fire, but Doom is like point and shoot, point and shoot, point and shoot, like run, 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 jump, jump, jump. Getting into games like Civilization, which are very complicated, it just takes so much time to get good at it that I don't really think that that's uh, the case. Uh, do you like what? Are you married? Yes. Have you held left-wing opinions? Yeah, yeah, I was a socialist when I was younger. Will you join me for bat soup and beers? That's a one out of two for that. Um, top three books nihilists should read. Uh, uh, every, essential philosophy, and uh, that's mine. 
uh, UPB, that's mine, and real-time relationships so they have a better relationship with themselves. What do you think about Buddhism? I don't like the... I mean, I'm, I recognize, and I just did a whole video on the acceptance of suffering, but uh, there's some stuff I like about it. The interpretation is a lot of time the suffering itself, but it is not um, not first principles philosophy. So if you kind of like it, you like it, and if you don't, you don't, but uh, right. Hey, Steph, why are you saying that the virus came directly from a bat? It came from a reservoir animal. Oh, you mean like a reservoir dog? Hey. So, well, the virus... That's a story. It came from a horseshoe bat, which is not native to and was not sold in the Wuhan wet market and 900 kilometers away from Wuhan and all that kind of stuff. That was one of the arguments, right? Okay, there's some other argument. It's a pangolin. Well, they can't find pangolins in the market either. So it did not come from, it's not zootropic. It did not come from animals. Um, was I left wing as a teenager? I was. Why do you elevate Jordan Peterson's weak intellect above your own? I feel like that's a bit of a rhetorical question. So, um, Borderlands will blow his mind. Let's see here. All right, last couple. I'm going to close it down for the night. Fasting is the best thing you can do for your body. I don't know. How does the UN play into the power structure of the world? Uh, the US is straight Satanism. Straight up horrifying, ghastly stuff. Bioshock isn't a complete rebuttal of Ayn Rand. Uh, yeah, Bioshock was terrible that way. And it wasn't even that great a that great a girl. Steph, why is Weinstein scared of you being right and the media being so wrong? Oh, is this like the Jews and the media thing? Oh. Are you a fan, of, a, stand, a fan of stand-up comedy? I can. Man, stand-up comedy can make me laugh till I pee myself almost. I mean, it's really, really, uh, a really great stand-up comedian. So, I mean, Dave Smith is, <laughs> is very good and you should definitely uh, follow him. I haven't really followed favorite comedians lately. I never really got that much into Louis C.K., uh, I think he's got a, a bit about masturbating in the basement of his married, like in his married home. And I'm like, it just seemed kind of weird. And I uh, never found him to be that uh, funny. Favorite comedian? Well, Joe Rogan was pretty funny. So uh, let's see here. Real-time relationships is one of my all-time favorite books. Thank you so much for that. I appreciate that. Some guy named Lieber from the U.S. apparently was charged with helping China set up that Wuhan lab. I don't think it was that. He was taking $50,000 a month from the Chinese government, basically, as far as I understand it, and was not did not disclose it. And there was another Chinese researcher, I think from Harvard, who was also uh, did not mention that he was a lieutenant or colonel or whatever it was in the Chinese Liberation Army. Uh, just neglected to mention that in his application and all of that. So... Um, Anyone who says one person can't change the world never ate a bat. Oh, man, that is some dark humor. That is some dark humor. What do you think about Andrew Jackson? Uh, he didn't die in a, um, a duel. Oh, Got to admire that, right? George Carlin was the only, the only correct answer. A bit too nihilistic for me. A bit too nihilistic for me. Please give me two arguments against the existence of cultural appropriation, please. No, you write your own essay. <laughs> I'm not writing it for you. All right. Where do you live? In front of the camera, it seems. <laughs> Sometimes. Are we in the beginning of a war? Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Do you think the ends justify the means? No, not if you're dealing with moral people. Uh, I did a call with you on, in February. Lost the file of a conversation. Could you resend? I will try to get to it. I will try to get 
Jackson died in a duel. He did, right? Yeah, okay. Thoughts on Jacques Fresco and the Venus Project? Uh, total garbage. Yeah, it's total garbage. It's communism with robot mommies. So, no, I did a whole debate. Well, I did a review of, I can't remember the name of the guy's Joe, Peter Joseph's movie, and I did a whole debate with um, Peter Joseph and all of that. Uh, it's This is complete garbage. Steph, do you think in time you'll be remembered as one of the greats in philosophy? Uh, well, you know, I mean, if rational philosophy takes off, then yes. Otherwise, you know, Wikipedia will be my tombstone. Best video or book from you to introduce my girlfriend to your philosophy? I don't know much about her, but you might want to start with real-time relationships. Uh, that's interesting and useful, I think. Did you get my email last night? I sent it to Free Domain. Uh, maybe. <laughs> I'd have to check one of the hundred or so emails I got last night, so... Uh, where is your dad? Do you still talk with him? I do not talk with him. Um, he is, uh, he retired, basically. He spent his career in Africa, then he retired, went elsewhere. No, I, I have not talked with him in uh, probably close to 20 years uh, after I talked to him about the crimes of my mother, and um, he didn't really respond in any way. So, What's your favorite Heinlein book? I never got into him that much. He was okay, but uh, never really... I uh, never really. You need to start fasting. No, that's not. That's not God. How many languages do you know and speak? Uh, well, I know a little French. That's about it. Um, I used to speak German when I was a kid, but I lost it. Uh, but I know seventeen computer programming languages. If that helps. All right. Will the U.S. be engaged in an armed conflict directed with China soon? Oh no, God no. Ah, uh, let's see here. Who would win in a war between the U.S. and China? Well, China's winning so far. Uh, my dad and I watched your doc on Hong Kong together. Gold. Yeah, please. I mean, I mean, that's been heavily buried, right? That's a real disappointment for me. Uh, it's a real disappointment to me uh, that uh, that film did not do better. Uh, it's still less than 130,000 views. So you can go to freedomain.com, click on documentaries. Please, please watch this thing and, and share it. Uh, it's fantastic, right? Steph, what is your estimate of your IQ? I don't know. Uh, I don't really think of it that way. There's nothing that I want to do in terms of language that I can't do. So I don't know what that means. Like there's no like there's no debate where I feel like, oh man, I really messed that up, or I don't really get tongue-tied. Analogies pop into my head that are really powerful and effective. I've written poetry that's really good. I've written some good plays. I've written a bunch of novels. Uh, you know, a hundred thousand of my nonfiction books are downloaded every month. And you watch me thinking on the fly on a regular basis and there's really not much that I, I can't think of anything that I would really want to do, maybe a rap battle, I don't know, but there's not really anything verbally or intellectually that I want to do that I can't do, or that I, right, now there's things that I'm not great at, I'm not great at doing math on the fly and stuff like that, so, you know, I'm still above average with that, but as far as language goes, um, there's not much that I, I can't think of anything that I can't do. Jordan Peterson says he has, has said he has an IQ of 150, I think that you're referring to Jordan Peterson, referring to Jordan Peterson rather than me, right? Hi, Steph. How to stop smoking, eating a lot, not sleeping, and drinking. Uh, figure out why you're so unhappy. And the aforementioned book by Gabor Mate is pretty good. Uh, Steph, I think your intellect dwarfs Jordan Peterson's, but your books are too simple. <laughs> too too simple. What, is, what does that mean? I'm, I'm writing for a layperson audience. How many hours a day do you get of sleep? Well, I will say this, that I need at least seven, and I'm better off with it. I need a lot of sleep. I need a lot of sleep. Um, I, I put out an enormous amount of 
intellectual energy during the day, not just in this show, but even just, you know, conversations with my daughter, with my wife. And all. I put a lot of intellectual energy out and I need a lot of sleep. And uh, I generally will at least try to get seven. I'm, I'm happier with eight. And if it's less than six, uh, I don't really have a great day. But that's, you know, maybe once a month or once every two months, I'll have a day like that. So I love you, man. No homo. Well, thank you, man. Do you play a musical instrument? Well, I did play, well, I, I like to sing, but I did play um, violin for 10 years. But you put a violin in my hands now, I'm really not sure. Unemployed due to COVID, best thing I could do with all this free time. Work your network, uh, get contacts with people who can help you restart things and for heaven's sakes, don't just view this as a vacation. Up your job skills. Just Joe, just does Joe Biden have dementia? I think not. I mean, in the debates, he's pretty good, but he knows that he can't win, so he's just not putting much of an effort in, I think. All right. Japan has a weird culture. <laughs> yes, it does. Uh, let's see here. Verbal IQ is 180. Math is 120. So average IQ of Steph is probably 150 like Jordan. I mean, you know, I mean, it, I won't say it's a total dick measuring contest, but a little bit, right? Peterson says his max at his peak was 150, 160, not now. Have you ever considered doing a show with Paul Joseph Watson? Not only have I considered it, I have done a number of shows with him, which you can find, of course, on the chat. On the chat. Oh, yeah, I've got something coming out with... Um, Oh, I should really remember this guy. <laughs> oh, well, it'll come back to me. It'll come back to me. Uh, let's see here. As a fan of heavy metal and horror films, what's your opinion of darker forms of entertainment and expression? Well, for many years, Pink Floyd was my favorite. Uh, the, the Wall was one of my favorite albums. So, yeah, the dark stuff is is good. Noble Savage is BS. Yes. Grow a beard. No, not during coronavirus. Sorry. Uh, it, uh, uh, it considered my beard. That's why it's out. Have you ever had an experience that appeared to you supernatural? No, I never have, never have. And it's really, really dangerous. It's really dangerous to, to dabble in this stuff. A friend of mine destroyed his whole life because he believed that a Victorian woman floated above his bed and he woke up paralyzed and that opened this whole gateway to the supernatural that literally laid waste to his entire life despite the fact that I spent quite a long time trying to get him to not go down that rabbit hole, but uh, it opened up other dimensions. He lost his motivation in this dimension and it just wrecked his life. And I said, well, come on, man. The, the, the complete explanation is that you woke, you had a false wake, you dreamt you were awake, and that's why you were paralyzed, because you were sleep paralyzed, and you just dreamt that there was a woman, but he wouldn't let it go, because it made him special. And that specialness just was a vampire. Like, the supernaturalism is a vampire on your life. Please try and just drive it out as much as you can. Will you miss the extinction of the movie theater? I will not, although I do like a good froyo. Uh, advice for 24-year-old male who hasn't dated for six years and is shy when approaching women. You know, panic, man. Like, panic it. It's now or never. Like, do it now or it's probably never going to happen. So just, like, I'm saying, like, tomorrow, go out some plumber. Maybe not tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, some place where you can go and talk to women without them spraying you in the face with chloroquine. Uh, that would be great. What do you think will happen in Sweden with regards to the handling of COVID-19? I think it's going to go badly. Ah, uh, Let's see here. Um, what does a philosophical video game look like? <laughs> well, it's civilization where the only way that you can win is to not have a government. All right. What's your favorite poem? Um, I actually just did one uh, of mine, actually. Uh, okay, I can give you this. I can give you this. Let me give you this. Uh, the other one I can't quite get a hold of at the moment for boring technical reasons. I won't. Um, 
end your will to live with, but uh, I will give you this one. This is a poem that uh, I wrote for a friend of mine's father's funeral. And uh, I haven't released it yet, uh, but I will give it to you. And uh, you should... Uh, you should watch this. You should sort of sit in a in a quiet place and watch this. I think you should watch it more than once. But this is a beautiful poem. Um, I've got other beautiful poems, but that's one. I just put that in the chat. Have I heard of Coach Greg Adams? I have. Uh, where can I find some sexy libertarian BBW? Big, bountiful wheat? Now I'm hungry. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, thank you for your video about the daycare generation. This was shocking and true. My friend's daughter has been to daycare, and her first words were, help me, please. Yes. Thoughts on the Queen's speech? It was a throwback, and the Queen has been utterly impotent in mass migration, so I really don't care what she has to say. Fat girl. Oh, that's the B. I don't see F. Anyway. A BBW, big-breasted women? I think uh, Laura Luma was bragging about that at one point. <laughs> But anyway, all right. Um, I'm from New Zealand, and to this day, I'm pissed that the venue flip-flopped and refused you to. Yeah, do you know New Zealand was more outraged that I came there than coronavirus came there? I'm, I mean, it's completely wild. It's completely wild, and I've got a whole rant about that, which I need to, uh, I need to get to. Um, let's see here. Priest Bing, Olavio de Carvalho, again, again? Yes, I should. I should. What do you think of the great Dr. Phil? It's a real mixed bag with Dr. Phil. It's a real mixed bag with uh, Dr. Phil. And maybe I'll do more details another time. But uh, I've enjoyed watching his show from, from time to time. But uh, there's a really, really bad stuff. Can you recommend a good fiction book? Yeah, I have a book called The God of Atheists, which you can check out. But uh, are you still banned from Australia? I was never banned from Australia. I've never been banned from anywhere. Can you speak on MailChimp canceling you on Twitter? Yeah, MailChimp, yeah, MailCuck. I mean, they, yeah, they, they, they did, right? So it actually worked out for the better. I got a better service. It's cheaper. All right. The truth about Dr. Phil? Well, maybe, maybe. You've said that you were a player when you were young. What changed? Well, I recognize that um, you, you, can't, you can't deal with women as, as, I mean, there's ways in which women are superior, but as far as dating goes, if you're, if you're good-looking and charismatic, as I was and am, certainly better looking when I was younger in, in many ways. But, you know, women are, they're not great at guarding their own hearts. You kind of have to be careful for them, if that makes sense. Should you allow someone to have a crazy belief if that belief is helping them lead a happy, productive life? Well, uh, I don't, you can't really allow people to have beliefs or not. You should try to bring them into reason. Uh, and um, no, because that's to say that you can go against reality and have a happy, productive life. Didn't Australia refuse you a visa? No, I was never refused. I went to Australia. I did a whole bunch of speeches in five cities in Australia. So no, I was not refused a visa. That's nonsense. Uh, why does Eric Weinstein say he wants nothing to do with you? He doesn't give any reasons. Maybe it's because I called him out on Jewish supremacy. I don't know. I don't know. What would you do with the $1,200 stimulus check? Well, I'm not American, so. Is a wife getting fat grounds for divorce? Well, you should talk to her before she gets fat, right? 
Uh, I just watched a stream from earlier with Saragon. Highly entertaining. Yes, it was. Uh, it was a great deal of fun. He, that guy's got a lovely voice. It really does. All right. Very enjoyable. But I should probably, I should probably stop. Australia has only three cities. Liar. <laughs> that's funny. David Icke was refused his visa for New Zealand tour. Oh, that's a shame. That's a shame. That's a shame. There are some bad things written in Wikipedia about you. Really? <laughs> Shocking. So go fix them. Go fix them. Did you enjoy the Dick Masterson interview? Is it okay for men to get married in their mid-30s? Yeah, I did. Right. All right. Will America ever wake up to the fake news mainstream media? So go watch Hoaxed Movie, hoaxedmovie.com, and, and go buy it for people. You know, you can buy it and gift it through iTunes, through Amazon. It's a great, great movie. And, uh, yeah, Subscribestar is great. Yeah, subscribestar.com forward slash free domain. I, I'm not soliciting donations at the moment because it is a tough economy. Um, obviously, if you can help me, great. But, you know, please help out your local businesses. They probably need it a little bit more. I can survive for a little while. But, um, yeah, you can go to subscribestar.com forward slash free domain and all of that. So. Your one and only Somali audience. Well, hello, Layla. Very nice to meet you. Very nice to meet you. Your thoughts on implementing Bitcoin after hyperinflation of fiat? Yeah, we should. Have you ever been to Mexico? I've been to Mexico a number of times. Uh, I did a tour, um, a backpacking tour with a female friend through uh, Belize, Mexico, and Guatemala when I was in my early 30s. And it was really a wonderful, wonderful time. Five speaking engagements in Australia. Wow, how many people in total? Oh, it varied from a couple of hundred to over a thousand per night. Biggest lesson from your 20s. Uh, don't get dicknapped. All right. There must be a perfect game for you to play and give commentary to other than Doom FFS. <laughs> uh, favorite board game? I'm probably chess, yeah. Uh, can you talk about deflation? Deflation is a wonderful thing. Will Corona... Cost Trump the election? Well, no, quite, quite the opposite. Quite the opposite. You think Trudeau will eventually stop direct fights from China? No, God, Trudeau worships China. Trudeau uh, worships, I mean, what is it the old, they, they used to say, the communists used to say about the capitalists that they will sell you the rope that you used to hang them? Your favorite candy? Hmm. That is a good question. I don't have much sugar, unfortunately, anymore. So it's an over 50 thing. My favorite candy? Ooh, I don't know. I could go kind of low rent, like Twix or something like that. I used to really quite like that. I, a Snickers bar is really, really good because, you know, you feel like you're not just having candy, but something very useful. I am a Rocket League player. I play with my daughter. Have you ever apologized to the women you used? Well, I didn't really use them back when you were a player. Um, I have apologized to women after dating them and they've apologized to me for things that weren't weren't great would you have a discussion with ben shapiro i think he thinks i'm some sort of crazy white nationalist so i it's sort of a a um a moot a moot point it's a cow's opinion it's a it's a moot point uh so i don't think it would happen right will russia get the blame for COVID 19 well they're already working on on that um there was an explosion in a russian lab and they're saying maybe that was it so would you rather be living in the USA? Well, certainly if our free speech goes, yes, there's definitely that 
positive stuff. Are you making a new documentary? Well, I have plans. I had plans, but I can't travel, so we'll have to we'll have to see. Do you like heavy metal? Uh, I don't really listen to heavy metal, although I appreciate the energy of the music. Thoughts on Canada's handling coronavirus. Uh, also, Mars bars my go-to. And Mars bars are good, but too much caramel for me. It gets kind of stuck on my teeth. Will you ever do tours again? Uh, I would love to. Uh, I would love to. Should women give up on trying to get married at 50? Mm. Not necessarily, but uh, I don't know. White nationalism. Nothing wrong with that, dude. Well, of course, it is racist to only pick on white nationalism because there's Indian nationalism, there's Chinese nationalism, there's Jewish-Israeli nationalism. So, yeah, of course. Dark chocolate, you know, it's like methadone. You know, it's not bad in an emergency, but it ain't the crack I'm looking for, so to speak. Will food shortages be a major concern going forward? I don't know, but won't hurt you to get some food in the basement. I am... Now irritated by the IQ talk. I'm sorry, I don't. Start a media empire. Well, that takes that takes the money, all right? Uh, will you debate David Benatar? Uh, is that Pat's husband? No idea who that is. Sorry. Do you like Round Treats fruit pastilles? I used to eat those when I was a kid. Uh, yeah, they're pretty good. Bill Witheris? Yeah, a great singer, great songwriter. Uh, it was sad that, you know, all of this horrible, I don't know, the number of, of great musicians who've just been absolutely slaughtered by ridiculous, horrible contracts in the music industry is really, really quite tragic. So he only was active for like 15 years, and he stopped in like the mid-'80s and didn't look back because it was just too horrible for him to try and you know, think of like Prince putting Slave on his head and George Michael uh, didn't record for like ever because he just hated the record. Record countries, record companies have just smashed so many great musicians that uh, it's really, really quite tragic. But yeah, I, got in, I guess I got into some trouble. When I was talking about how the song uh, Ain't No Sunshine When She's Gone, that song is about a child molester, right? That song is about, I don't know why this is like, this is, to me, it's not even remotely controversial. So uh, the song is about a uh, child molester, right? I will tell you why I say that. So um, it's, a, it's a great song. I mean, it's a great song without a doubt. Uh, and Joe Cocker does a pretty good, and even Sting does a live version that's not not too bad, right? And it was actually re- released as a B-side and was expected to go nowhere. But to the song, uh, Ain't no sunshine when she's gone, it's not warm when she's away. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone, and she's always gone too long anytime she goes away. Right, so he's obviously depressed when this girl goes away, right? Okay, so it could be a love song, right? Could be a love song. Then he says, I wonder this time where she's gone. Wonder if she's gone to stay. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. And this house just ain't no home. Anytime she goes away. Right, so there, wonder this time where she's gone. So she's gone. He doesn't even know where. Wonder if she's gone to stay. So she has to come back. Why does she have to come back? This house just ain't no home anytime she goes away. So it's a girl who lives with him, and she, she goes, but she has to come back. Now, you could say, okay, well, maybe this is a wife or something like that that he's abusing, or like, why does she keep running away, and why does she end up having to come back, right? I wonder if she's going to say she could come back. And then there's this famous bit in the middle, right? This is, uh, I, I won't count them out, but it just goes over and over and over, right? And I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Hey, I ought to leave the young thing alone, but ain't no sunshine when she's gone. Right? I ought to leave the young thing alone. 
I ought to leave the young thing alone. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I ought to. So this is a girl who lives with the man. She runs away. She ends up coming back. Because she, she has to, because she's his daughter. Come on. Yeah, but this is even that isn't even that complicated, right? And this is the depression, right? He's and now people say, oh well, Bill Withers wrote this song about a Jack Nick, a Jack Lemon film about alcoholics, right? And yeah, okay, but this isn't about alcoholism. This is about a little girl who lives with a man and he can't leave her alone. He knows he ought to. Now you could say, oh well, you know, maybe this is a forty-year-old guy and he's talking about his he's twenty. Come on. You're just making stuff up there, right? This is this is clear up. And listen, I'm not saying anything about the writer. I mean, it doesn't mean that Bill Withers was a pedophile or anything like that. I mean, Sting wrote a song about a vampire. It doesn't mean Sting's a vampire. But um, half of black girls, by some measure, 60% of black girls are raped as children by black men, right? This is just a fact, right? And um, there's a... The whole bit that uh, Chris Rock does about the, every black family has this pervy uncle who rapes children. And uh, I know, I know, I know, I know. I ought to leave the young thing alone. Come on. So my biggest fear for the 21st century was that nothing was going to change and we were all going to go down the drain. Do you act based on your instincts or how you feel? Well, combo of instinct and, and feelings and, and reason, right? Maybe you're reading way too much. No, it's right there in the lyrics. Right there in the lyrics. This is not reading way too much at all. All right. Great stuff, great stuff. I will... Um, I'm not a car person. Favorite car? I don't, I'm not a car person, sorry. I didn't even get a car till I was in my mid-30s, so... All right. So I'm going to close this down. Uh, you guys are great. What a, what a wonderful evening. To, to chat philosophy with you guys. It's a, a great pleasure. And have a great evening. And again, if you want to join the Discord server, you can go to subscribestar.com forward slash free domain and uh, sign up. But uh, again, if, if you don't, if you can't afford to donate and, and all of that, no problem. Don't just enjoy the show right now and I'll be fine. If you've got money to spend, please spend it in your local communities because those business people are really, really hurting. So, um, yeah, so thanks, everyone. Don't forget to check out my documentaries. You can get them at freedomain.com. Just click on the documentaries thing. I've got a whole bunch of them, a whole series on California. I've got my one on Hong Kong. I've got one on Poland. They're all relevant and all well worth watching, particularly the Hong Kong one. Remember I talk about how dangerous China is like a month before coronavirus. So uh, I guess that's why Brett Weinstein <laughs> is scared of me. All right. Well, thanks, guys, so much. A great pleasure to chat with you. I love you guys so much. Thank you for the incredible opportunity and, and privilege and pleasure of bringing philosophy to the world with your support. Don't worry about the haters. Truth prevails. Virtue wins. We just got to stay the course. Thanks, everyone, so much. I'll talk to you soon.